If you open up to Colossians chapter 2, we're just going to read verses 6 through 8 together this morning. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. Now, just a bit of context of of what we read there. Uh, Paul, by all means, is uh, speaking to spiritual infants in in Christ. It's a church, if you remember from our Colossians study about a year ago, a church he only spent a handful of weeks with brand new believers and just taught them the real basics. And due to circumstances, he and his team had to leave. And they're apart from this church for about a year until they got a report that the church is actually doing very well. It's kind of like leaving uh, your newborn with a family you don't know and coming back a year later with all of these thoughts of what's happening. Uh, but now they're flourishing in the faith. And, and, we, and we just read today why that was the case. And the same is true of our kids today, that there's a lot of things competing for their, uh, their attention. And there's a lot of voices in this world that are speaking to them. In some ways, it feels like we're kind of letting them out to the wolves. And there's a problem and a solution that we just read in this text. And so I have a logical brain. I like to think of the problem first. So we're going to actually look at verse 8 and talk about what the problem is in, in the world. And it's a world void of Christ, a world without Jesus and certainly Jesus is in the world, right? He's, he is out there, but there's a large amount of people who reject him and who will offer these suggestions and these ideas that are in conflict with God's truth. And there's monumental pressure and distraction in this world that will, will take the attention of these children away from Jesus, that's true today. It was also true then. And in the verses before this, in verses 3 and 4, Paul is praying for these spiritual children. And he's, he prays that they would know that in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And he tells them this so that no one would be deceived by fine-sounding arguments. That's verse 4. And really what he's saying is there's a lot of things in the world that sound good and sound true, but absolutely are not. And it said a little bit more uh, specifically here in verse 8 that there's hollow and deceptive philosophy that can take you captive. Okay, And the word hollow just means void of all truth. And deceptive means exactly as it sounds, is that it sounds really good, but it's very dangerous. And so that there's this, these, these philosophies that can really take you captive. And that can mean it could just captivate your attention and, and your life, uh, you know, your, your energy. But it also means it can enslave you. And you can, be, you can buy into these ideas, these fine-sounding arguments that ultimately will not lead to life but to death. And we're talking about false teaching. Okay, and it comes in many different forms, and I don't have to spell them out for you today, but it's an infinite amount of teachings 
that can take you away from Jesus, that are deceptive and hollow. And it could depend on human tradition. These are the things that we just kind of make up in our minds, our man-made rules, the things that we've always done and we don't know why. Uh, We can uh, tell everyone what it means to be good, all these things you have to complete in your life. Whatever it may be, it's things that come from us and not from God. And then there's elemental spiritual forces of this world. And this is hard to translate, but it can mean a few different things. Uh, It can mean something satanic. It can mean something uh, maybe like a world religion or like nature worship or something that. Voodoo, superstitions. There's a lot of things out there, right? And you hear people uh, say that they need to just uh, align themselves with the good energies of life and all these kind of ideas that there's this There's this force or this will out there we have to align ourselves with. And there's many stories, but one is is from uh, someone that is very close and near dear, the Mandy and and I, uh, got sucked into one of these things where his his cat was running around the house crazy. And he learned from a friend that there's a cat spiritual advisor that he could speak to. And he had this spiritual advisor in his house and his He had these crystals that were strategically placed to align the energies in his household. And he's telling Mandy and I all about this. And I'm looking at some of your faces right now, and it comforts me because that was my face too, right? And he got totally sucked into this, and I think now he's kind of realized it was all a sham. But this is just one of an infinite amount of things out there that can deceive you, that can captivate you and enslave you, and and people give their lives to these ideas. The problem is that there's a world out there that is void of Christ, that is competing for the attentions and the affections of our youth. And what they're up against now is different than anything we we have ever been up against. And I'm I'm 36 years old, which I know to many of you is very young. And I grew up uh, in what we call the millennial generation. I'm one of the older, uh, oldest of the millennials. But for the most part, the internet was there when I grew up. Uh, I remember in about fifth, sixth grade, it was kind of like this theoretical, what is the internet kind of thing. But, but then by ninth grade, we had the internet in our house. And I remember the internet at, at that age. If I wanted to check a sports score, I had to ask if I could use the phone line, right? And you connect up, it takes about a minute, and you, you, you type in the website, and you can see it kind of chunk you know, load like that. That's the internet I grew up with, and that's how information was shared. But in today's day and age, an idea, either good or bad, can be shared among millions of people in seconds. And that's what our youth is growing up in today. In a book I referenced about a year ago, very quickly to you, uh, was Faith for Exiles. And this is written in 2019, and this I highly recommend if you have kids or you have grandchildren, and you're wondering how to navigate this, they're really in this digital exile, uh, this digital Babylon, where the world out there, the input they're receiving is not godly. Okay, It is not centered on Christ. It's exactly what we're talking about here. And they have an incredible amount of input, digital input right now. So what they're growing up in, this blue box represents how much input children receive each week, between 50 and 60 hours. That could be YouTube videos, it could be schoolwork, but largely speaking, it is not spiritual in nature. 50 to 60 hours a week. Now, a church-going 
child is going to receive four to five hours of spiritual input from Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, at home with the parents, whatever it might be. You can see the disparity there of what they're up against. And someone who's not from a church, this might even be kind of generous, receives one to two hours a week. And so what we see here is that they have an incredible amount of input in their lives that is not focused on Jesus. And when they're here, they have a very small amount of input in comparison. It's a David and Goliath type situation. So how did David win? He made his one-shot count. And that's what we have here as we consider this problem we're against, is we have one shot sometimes to speak to them the truth of Christ. That's the solution we have today, is this generation that can be rooted in him. All right? Now, the problem is actually plural. It's problems. All right? And there's infinite amounts of them. The solution is singular. There's one solution, which is Jesus. And we have the ability to invest in them this faith that had been given to us. And and people who had come to faith and, and now have grown up and matured, we can now grow down and build this future, this generation to become the next wave of pastors and teachers and worship leaders and Bible study teachers. And we see here that Paul had this moment with this church, these spiritual children, that there's really four parts of the spiritual journey that we all go on in some way, shape, or form. Receiving, continuing, strengthening, and overflowing. And if you look at this verse and consider uh, maybe, maybe a tree, we're Maple Plain Community Church. We have roots. Consider this a tree. Receiving Christ is planting the seed. And when you receive Christ, we look at these three words, Christ, Jesus, and Lord. It means you receive Jesus for who he is. And all the voices in the world are telling us a lot about Jesus. They might say it's just some fairy tale, that it was a really good man who lived 2,000 years ago, but now he's He's dead, or or maybe they might just say that he's a dangerous person, you shouldn't follow him. But when you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, you understand he's Christ Messiah, meaning he is the anointed one sent by God to fulfill all of his promises to people. He's unique. Jesus means Joshua, Yeshua, to save. He is our Savior. And Lord means that he is God. There is no one like Jesus as the Son of God. And when you receive him, you receive him as such. But it's not just receiving Jesus, but also continuing in Jesus. And that's where we see now this plant is starting to grow and push through the dirt. It's growing down and growing up. It's growing down, being rooted and built up in him. And to live here literally means to walk. That is this step-by-step, day-by-day relationship with Christ that really controls all of our conduct and our affairs. And when we speak Jesus to the kids, we're giving this ability to them to be rooted on the foundation of Christ, that they will continue to walk with him long after they leave here. We never should underestimate the importance of what is being taught to them right now. Things like the Bible buddies. This might seem like a cute idea or or something to keep them busy throughout the summer. This 
Reading their Bible to a stuffed animal and being in God's Word is going to strengthen them in a way that we will never understand here. That they will be rooted in Him when the storms of life blow their way. They're not going to be like a tumbleweed Christian that goes wherever the wind blows them. That They will be founded on Jesus to strengthen them as they were taught. And this shows that, that they're going to be able to stand up to all of the hard things that come their way. Now, the Bible tells us that the world is going to get a lot worse before it gets eternally better. right? And if that's true, I think these kids are going to be experiencing hardships that we never have. And so they need to be taught the faith from us. They need to be strengthened in that. And the gospel might be hard for some people to accept, but it's very easy to teach. We have problems. We need help. And only Jesus can help. There's no need to seek anything secret or higher. We're given all of the knowledge we already need in Christ. And now we can teach that faith to these kids to strengthen them in whatever might come their way. And the last part is to overflow with thankfulness. And if you consider a tree, these are the leaves, right? This is the fruit. And this is the part where every Christian, as you grow and mature in Christ, that ultimately there's going to be fruit in your life. And the ultimate test of Christian health is thankfulness. It's thankfulness. And what if we work together to raise a generation that is the most content and thankful and hopeful generation this world has ever seen? What kind of impact do you think that will have for the church and God's kingdom? And it starts by them observing us. Complaining has never won a soul. All right? When you have this, when you exemplify thankfulness and hopefulness to this generation, especially if things are tough, it will pay off dividends. And there's a, a new family in our church. I thought it was really a, a nice moment. Uh, nearly brought me to tears to, to overhear. A new family in our church that, that just had kind of a scare, a cancer scare for dad, and a history of cancer, and there's, there's a lump that was found, a mass that was found, and, and it turned out it was not cancerous. Had to go through the surgery anyway to uh, remove that. But Mandy had a conversation with the wife, and, and just said, we're so thankful that it wasn't cancer. And she said, yes, we're thankful too. But even if it were, we would still be thankful. Because God is a good God with a perfect will. And I was just like, wow. That is a mature and an inspiring answer. And we, as the mature people, have the ability to exemplify that to our kids. To be overflowing with thankfulness and gratitude. Overflowing with thankfulness comes when we recognize that we are complete in Christ. That we have every opportunity to grow in Him. And thankful Christians are not easily led away from Christ. But a discontented, a grumbling, whiny believer... They're going to be easily preyed upon by false teachers who are more than willing to offer just what they've been missing. 
We have the ability to build this generation in Christ and change the world. And so as I close, I just want to offer five quick ideas of how you can be involved. Maybe it's, it's not being a Sunday school teacher. It's, maybe it's not uh, being uh, you know, involved on Wednesday nights. It could just be you being you in front of the kids. And the first thing you can do is, is pray. We'll never know how much it impacts these kids to be praying for them. Pray for the parents. Pray for the ministries. You can also uh, teach, and that's, again, not just in a formal sense, but, but be intentional about the interactions you have with them. Point them to Scripture. Build this relational equity with them, that as you teach them, they begin to trust you. And third is to encourage them, and that just simply means to point them to Jesus and, and really build them up where they are. Kids really look up to adults, and they're probably scared of you if they don't know you. Take a moment to encourage them and, and talk to them. Ask them how their wrestling meet went or their speech meet. Fourth is to be an example, and that's what we just talked about. Know that they are looking up to you. They are watching you, and they will mimic you. I'm learning that now with my own son, that whether good or bad, he does everything I do. Be an example of the good to them. And the fifth would be to trust them, invest in them. This church is as much theirs as it is ours. And I think there's a time where we have to be willing to give the keys over to them. Why not start now? Next Sunday, uh, we're going to have a fifth grader preach. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But start now and and start including them in things and make them a part of the church. But there's many who have gone before you. There's a, uh, for all of us, there's there's a reason we're here. Someone shared the faith with you. And and for 85% of Christians, uh, they gave their life to Jesus before the age of 14. That stat is still true now. Now, you can be that person for someone else, to point them to Jesus and to build the future. Let's pray together. So God, we thank you for this Sunday, all the amazing things that are happening in the kids' ministries, so much we couldn't even highlight here. But God, we know it's not because of us. It's because of you and and your desire to reach this generation, to change the world. And God, we know it happens one person at a time, in this case, one child at a time. We pray for our kids. The immense amount of pressure that they're facing to abandon the faith, to follow other things, to follow themselves, God, I pray that they would receive you as Lord and that they would follow you, that they would be growing and strengthened and overflowing with thankfulness. And so we pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.